Well, it is a pleasure always to preach, um, and as I promised you last week, I'm going to do the second half of what I started last week. Um, last week I looked at the thing of laying up treasure in heaven, and I'd like to uh, preach this morning about living free from anxiety, because the command that Jesus gives us here in um, Matthew 6 is to not be anxious about anything, Okay? And uh, can I just make a comment? I'll make another comment just now. Whether you are glad that the conservatives got in, or whether you are bemoaning the fact that the conservatives got in, can I just say to you, do not be anxious about anything. God is sovereign. God works out His purpose on the earth, and He does it in amazing ways. And so I I will make some more comments just now about that. But um, as a basis, I want to say to you this morning, do not be anxious about anything. All right, and this is what God says to us, what Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Can we read, please, from verse 19 to verse 34? Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body is, sorry, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor they, they neither gather into bonds, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why then are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Father, I pray that you'd help me this morning as I preach to be true to your word and to encourage people here. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would encourage us all uh, to live free of anxiety and to put our trust completely in who you are and what you're doing for us as our Heavenly Father. And I pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Um, so I'd like to start with a recap of what I said last week. And what I said last week, for those of you that weren't here, is that as we've approached the end of our financial year, um, and we're looking forward to the new year in, uh, now, uh, I, I encourage you that in all things, in, in every area of our life, uh, including giving, that God would have us be motivated by His grace and by His generosity in our lives. And so I said to you, generosity extends to every area of our lives. Uh, we can be generous in patience. We can be generous in how we listen to people. We can be generous in um, uh, being gentle with people. These are all things that we can learn to be generous in. And giving is one area of our lives that we can grow in and learn to be generous by the grace of God. And I said to you I was happy to preach on finances because, and particularly to emphasize giving generously uh, with the foundation of tithing in our lives, and I said I was, I was happy to preach on that for three reasons. First of all, that it put me in good company with Jesus, with Abraham, with Paul, with James, with the early church, all of whom practiced and lived like that, and Jesus who endorsed that as a lifestyle. So the first thing I said, I, I took some time just to speak a little bit about that. puts me in good company to speak about money in this way. Because of, put, because of those uh, people that I've mentioned. Secondly, I said that I hoped through preaching and teaching on the subject, it might release much money through the local church for mercy, mercy ministry and for mission to the poor outside of our normal church budget. And I said to you already, we've done things like last year into Cambodia and various areas of uh, other things that God has connected us with over the years. So just a comment. I've been, I've been fascinated after this election just to hear and see on social media the huge, what do you call it, disconnect in, the, in our society. There are those that are rejoicing that the conservatives got in, and then there are those that are saying, we are doomed. We are going to suffer even more, that now more cuts are coming, and uh, this is unfair to everybody. I, I just want to say this. When I grew up as a student, there's a man called Francis Schaeffer who lived in, in Switzerland in the 60s and 70s, and he was a Christian philosopher, and he said something which has always stuck with me. He said, in the new century, which is the century we're now living in, he was, he was um, teaching in the 60s and 70s, he said, we were going to be, the whole of, of the Western world is going to be changed by two basic things. The first is this, a, a, a compassionate use of wealth, and secondly, people are going to be confronted all the time with personal peace and growing affluence. And the church is going to have to equip people to learn to live in the tensions of those things. And so I would say to you, this is my comment. Whether you're rejoicing and saying that the conservatives are going to do a good job, or whether you are absolutely saying, well, we are going to um, have a whole lot of problems in our community, can I just challenge you with this? The church has always been on the forefront of taking care of the poor. Always. If you know the history of this nation, fries, chocolate, Cadbury's, round trees, do you know how those things started? They were Christian men and women. They were Puritans. They were concerned that in the 18th century, 
the gin houses were so full of children that they had to get them off the street. So what did they do? They started businesses and they started selling coffee. That's how coffee was first introduced into our nation, not in slabs, but as drinking chocolate. And they they said, okay, we're going to sell drinking chocolate to get people out of the pubs. These were Christians. Did you know that Lloyd's Bank was started by the Puritans? Did you know that? Why? Because they were concerned that people couldn't get a fair deal getting a loan. And they were concerned to help the poor. And so what did they do? They started their own bank with their own rules. W.H. Smith. Christians wanting to be engaged in education, so they started a stationary business. My friends, I'm saying this to you. If God has given you the ability to create wealth, if the, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, don't get arrogant about that. Even the fact that you can create wealth is a gift from God to you. So use it. Education, I could carry on. I, I could give you a whole hour sermon on how the church has always been engaged by reaching out to the poor. So I'm saying to you, whatever your political persuasion, do all that you can in your life to, get, to take care of the poor, wherever they are, wherever we find them. That's, what, that's how we have to respond. Yes? I've been fascinated with my, my son. I'm not trying to embarrass Matt. But some of the, the young guys that he, he, he um, that are all going to university say, oh, our tuition fees are going to go up against the conservatives. We deserve to have free education. I want to say it kindly, you deserve nothing. <laughs> I did not get free education. I took a loan to pay for my education. We grow up in a community where we take those things as, well, we should have all that stuff. If most of the other countries in the world and where I come from, you pay for everything. Everything. And we can grow up with the sense of we are owed by the nanny state. Well, I want to just put, put this in your hearts. Just live from the place that the, the, the government owes you nothing and do your best to serve others and to live with the heart of the gospel and to take care of the poor. And I promise you, we will change people one by one. That's why my faith is in the gospel, not whether in the conservatives are in power or whether labor is in power. The heart of what we do is the gospel of Jesus in us. And I, I hope I'm not, I'm not trying to accuse anybody. I'm just trying to encourage you. Let's get on with it. Let's live our lives for Jesus. Let's, let's do what we can to help the poor in this community, and He will take care of us. And we can live free from anxiety, confident in who Jesus is. Amen? Thirdly, I said that we could, if we could learn to live like this, we could have this fearless faith that Jesus uh, encourages us with to live free from the pull of the world, which just says accumulate more and more stuff here on earth, accumulate more and more things. And so the main point I made last week was out of uh, this chapter, it was verse 20, that we should lay up treasures in heaven and on earth. And I argued with you, not with you, my argument was that as we lay up treasure in heaven, there's an increased reward and joy that comes when in the presence of God, and that comes and increases in our life as we give money away and things away in the name of Christ, rather than storing up more and more and more and more and more for ourselves here on earth. And the two verses I used to illustrate that, Luke twelve thirty three, sell your possessions, give to the poor, 
Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old and with treasure in heaven that does not fail. And then also Luke 14, 13. When you give a feast, that's why I said to you when we do this party, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. I'm just saying to you on the 31st, invite anyone you desire to come. Invite anyone to celebrate with us, all right? Why does Jesus say we should do that? You will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of of the just. And so, as part of this call to lay up treasure in heaven, I challenged us all to a simplified lifestyle. And when I say that, I'm not saying we mustn't enjoy our lives. I'm not saying we mustn't enjoy the blessing of God. But if we have a simplified lifestyle where we put a governor on our spending, where we're not just overspending all the time, and this I've discovered in my life, is when you get more money, if you're not careful, all that happens is that your lifestyle increases into the money that you have. Isn't that true? And so then you still have nothing at the end of the month, but you are living just a little bit more luxuriously. And the challenge that Jesus brings to all of us is that we simplify our lifestyle, we live simple lives, so that we can give more away to others. That's a great challenge in the Western world, isn't it? Which encourages us all the time, success is having more things. Success is having a bigger house. Success is having a bigger car, all these things. And they're not bad things of themselves. The problem is, if you just give yourself to increasing all of that, you've got nothing left to give away to anyone else. And the gospel is always about being living for others. And so I said, encouraged you, that unless you are gripped with this fact that we are pilgrims here on earth, that this is not as good as it gets, that actually heaven is our home, and that there's a heavenly reward coming for us, we will live automatically. If you're only concerned with now, you're going to accumulate as much as you can for now. <laughs> Isn't that true? But if we're living for eternity, we're living from a different perspective. And we are engaged in a conflict, we are engaged in a war, here, between light and darkness, between righteousness and unrighteousness, and uh, these are eternal things. So I concluded then that um, let's learn to govern our lifestyles, and let's be those that are glorious risk-takers with uh, finances for God's kingdom. All right? And I said to you that if we live like that, if we can learn to live like that, we will become amongst the happiest people on the planet because Jesus simply gave this little promise to us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20.35. And I believe if we start living and loving like Jesus, there might be some suffering for us along the way because there are those promises in the Bible too, but there'll be increased joy in our lives as we learn to live like this. For the joy set before us, it becomes all worthwhile. And so that was my aim last week. My aim this week is again to motivate us all to seek the kingdom of God first from a heart that is not being shriveled up with anxiety. Do you know your heart can be shriveled? Your heart can be compressed? Your heart can just become so anxious that you can't see anything outside of yourself? And here the encouragement from Jesus is, do not be anxious. We are never going to be free to give if we are consumed by anxiety all the time. Oh, I'm not going to have enough. I'm never going to get that house. I'm never going to go on holiday if I give this money. If we are consumed all the time with our anxieties, we are never going to learn to live generously. All right? And I, had some, I gave you some testimony last, last uh, week in terms of my own life 
as a Christian that whenever I've been in need, Jesus has always taken care of me and my family. Always. In, in amazing ways. And I've always lived, since we've been married, Till and I, we give always a 10% of our income at least away each month. And even when we've had nothing, we still have not compromised that. And God has always taken care of us. Always. And I gave you some examples. Through friends, through family, and supernaturally, He has always provided for us. And I don't ever take it for granted. And all I was trying to say to you is I'm trying to encourage you. God says, put me to the test. If you, if you tr- trust me like that, I will take care of you. And every time you give your money at the beginning of the month, you are saying to God, for this month, Jesus, I'm taking you at your word that you're going to take care of me and my family. That's it. It's as simple as that. And so I said to you last week that Jesus is so kind. Because in this portion, he doesn't just get, say, don't be anxious and leaves us. <laughs> just get on with it. I told you, don't be anxious. Now just go and don't be anxious. He gives eight things in this portion which are like weapons for us as we fight the fight of faith. He very practically illustrates for us why we, how we can learn not to be anxious. He gives us eight things, and I'm going to mention them to you this morning. You can mark them in your Bibles with a little number. And every time you start to feel anxious, go back to this portion and remind yourself of what Jesus says. Remember, I've told you over and over again, Martin Luther said, preach the gospel to yourself every day so you can learn to live in it and preach it to others. Well, I want to say to you, all of us, and I say this to myself, if we're going to learn to be free from anxiety, these eight little points in Matthew 6, we must preach them to ourselves every day. Every day. Remind yourself every day. If you want to learn to live not filled with anxiety, then get these things into your heart so you can fight the good fight of faith. So I can tell you what they are, and I can tell you how Jesus encourages us to do this, but only you can do this for yourself. Only I can do this for myself by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here are the eight things. And um, Jesus says, verse 25, Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. And so I'm convinced that Jesus wants us to live free from enslaving anxiety. (laughs) And anxiety can make you its slave. And uh, I'm not saying that it's not a battle, because I've woken up sometimes in the middle of the night with irrational fear. Have you ever had that experience? Where you just wake up in the middle of the night and you're kind of like anxious and your heart is beating and you're thinking, what's going on? I went to sleep happy and now it's in the middle of the night. I'm waking up and I'm like anxious. Yeah, I think God recognizes that. Matthew 24, verse 6 says, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Did you know that in the history of, of, of humanity, there's never been one year since Adam, since the very beginning, that people have not been fighting with each other. Not one year in all of our history that there's been absolute peace everywhere in the world. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because we will always have war and rumor of war until Jesus comes back. So we have to learn not to be anxious. What else does Jesus say? He says, I'm sending you out like lambs in the presence of wolves. Jesus recognizes it's not easy. It's not easy being a Christian. It's like going out as a lamb in the midst of wolves that want to devour you. Jesus recognizes that. 
John 16.2 says this, and when I was preparing this week, this really struck me. It says there'll be a time that comes where people will kill you and think that they are doing the will of God. We are living in that time right now. People been, you know, since the 13th century, there's never been more persecution in the world for Christians than there is right now. Right now. Christians are being killed all over the world, and the people that are doing it are saying they're doing it in the name of God. We're living in that time. And in spite of all that, in all of that, Jesus wants us as his people to have peace and to live free of anxiety and have so much peace in our lives that we are still able to give. We are still able to give to the poor, to give generously, give to the cause of Christ, give to mission, the local church, God's kingdom, with joy. And I quoted Randy Alcorn last week. I want to say a quote from his book again. God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. We are never going to live like that unless we are free from anxiety. So here are the eight things. Jesus' eight reasons not to be anxious. Number one, mark it in your Bible, verse 25. Your life is more than food. And your body is more than clothing. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. And here comes the reason. Is your life not worth more than food and the body more than clothing? So I understand it like this. Our lives can't be sustained without food, and our bodies, if they're not clothed, will surely freeze. So Jesus must mean this. He must mean literally that your life, your soul, that part of you, that inside part of you that um, is eternal, is much, is much more than just the physical life that sustains you through food and clothing. In other words, he's saying, don't be anxious about your soul and your body, because those who can kill your soul and your body, those who can take your food and do all the uh, persecution, whatever, they can't take away eternity from you, and they can't take away the fact that you're, you are now living with Jesus in eternity because you believe in Him. So he's saying, don't worry about that stuff. Because even when that stuff goes, you still have what I have done for you. So the bottom line in defense against anxiety is, Christ is in you. <laughs> and Christ is, is um, in Christ we are immortal. We are those that are, are not going to die. And that is our gain. So let that be a rest in your souls. In the Luke 12, 4. Do not fear those who kill the body, and after that they have nothing more that they can do to you. Um, I read a, I've always said this to you. I want to say it again. Whatever your understanding of God, whatever your theology, you must be able to live to it. You must be able to live with it. Do you know there are people in the world that preach that because Christ says we are immortal, it means that on this earth we will never die. There's a guy that I know in South Africa, a guy called Prophet uh, Joe van Rensburg, who preached that he was immortal. Who preached that he, because God, the Word of God promises us that we are mortal, that he would not die physically. Well, you want to guess what happened this week? He died. Of course he did. You've got to be able to live with your theology. You can preach it whatever you like. No suffering? Well, live with it. Prove it through your life that there's no suffering here on earth. Prove that you're immortal? Well, then don't die. <laughs> We've got to live with our theology. 
Isn't it true? Here, I want to convince you this morning that Jesus says we can live free of anxiety. First thing we do, realize our bodies are more, our life is more than food, and life is more than just clothing and taking care of our physical bodies. Secondly, Jesus says this, put a little number two in your Bible, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What is Jesus saying? You are more valuable than the natural world, than the birds and the animals. You are much more valuable than those things to God. Does that mean we don't appreciate nature? No, we love nature. Of course we do. We take care of it. Good stewards of the world in which we live. But we are, the Bible says you are infinitely more valuable than the birds. And the implication is this, that God is so completely in control of the universe that he might be saying even to be feeding the birds of the air. Every berry, every insect that uh, a bird eats, or a worm that is pulled from the ground. I've been fascinated in the last week. We've got a starling in our back garden that has just adopted our back garden. And you know in cartoons, I've always seen a picture of a bird with, with a worm being pulled out. Have you seen And it's stuck in the ground still, and there's this long worm, and the bird is pulling it out. Have you seen that in cartoons before? I've, for the first time in my life, I've actually seen it, the starling in the back garden. And he's pulling these worms, and it's literally, he does this, tugs, tugs, and the worm gets longer and longer and longer, and eventually it pops out. It's quite amazing. Well, God is saying that he provides for even the birds through the worms that they eat and the berries that they eat. And the second thing he's saying in this portion is that you are of much more value than them. So, don't be anxious. What does uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 say? Cast all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. He cares for you much more than the birds of the air whom he takes care to feed. Second reason why you cannot, should not live an anxious life is that you are more valuable to God than anything else in the universe. Thirdly, anxiety accomplishes nothing. Verse 27. Who of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? Now I'm preaching to myself, all right? Because I tend to sometimes be anxious when I think about the future. The practical argument here that Jesus is saying is anxiety doesn't do you any good. It accomplishes nothing. It doesn't help. So, as I've encouraged you to preach the gospel to yourself, can I encourage you to preach this to yourself? I accomplish nothing helpful by being anxious. It only makes a difficult situation even more difficult. I will listen to Jesus and say no to a useless emotion. Anxiety. Now, I'm learning to do that. Can I encourage you to learn to do the same thing? It accomplishes nothing to be anxious we walked through that with Matthew in our lives. We had to learn that by being anxious, we could not change one thing apart from the power of God and apart from what He could do. That's it. It's the most, it is a place of faith. Just saying, God, I'm trusting you completely for this situation in my life. And let's not be mastered. Fourthly, verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
slightly different to the birds of the air. It's not quite the same thing. This, what Jesus is saying is here, not that you're just more valuable than the birds. He is saying, you are eternal, and everything else is temporal. It's going to pass away, just like the birds and um, the grass of the field. So don't be anxious. Don't have little faith. The point is that you are eternal, and that uh, temporal things pass away. And yet God clothes these temporal things more beautifully than anything that Solomon could do. And so, here again, there's something that Jesus takes virtually for granted. And he's saying this, that God's sovereign rule over nature extends to everything. I love the spring when you can walk in the woods and the bluebells are just like that vibrant purple color. Or the roses start coming out and they're just blood red, just beautiful. Oh, Jesus is saying it, that those are not things that just happen, that, that God, they are His doing. And the inference for us is that actually, if God is so lavish, if God is so generous in nature where He delights just to throw color all over the place like that, and, and create such beautiful things that pass like that, how much more is He not going to care for you who are eternal, who are not going to pass away? who are going to last in eternity forever with Him. He loves you so much, He's going to take care of you. Yes? So trust Him. That's the basic issue, isn't it? Trust Him. Oh, you of little faith, the issue here is trust. Anxiety is showing a lack of trust, isn't it? It's saying, actually, Jesus, I can't trust you on this thing. I need to trust myself. I need to trust my plan. I need to trust what I can do. And Jesus is saying, no, cast all your anxieties on me. Point number five, if you've got a Bible, put it on verse 31. Point number five, verse 31. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Jesus is saying, he's not insulting us, he's saying, if you are anxious, you are being like an unsaved person. You are acting like someone who doesn't know me. You're acting like a Gentile. If you're anxious, you're acting like, at that moment, you're not losing your salvation, but at that moment, you're acting like a non-believer. That's what he's saying. The Gentiles behave like that. So, be careful at this point when you don't become cynical. And you don't say to me, oh, aunt, you know, you're just naive. You're a naive Christian preacher. You think that you can just deal with anxiety by telling people, that pagans are, are anxious and we mustn't be like pagans. you think that's going to help anybody? Well, my answer to you is that these are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of the Son of God, who says to everybody, do not be anxious, because when you are anxious, you're behaving like an unbeliever. It's his prescription. It's not mine. I'm saying, I'm saying it to you kindly. I'm saying Jesus is not naive. Jesus overcame the monster of anxiety in his own life as he went to, to Gethsemane and he went to the cross. He knows how best to fight it in, his, in our lives. And I'm trying to encourage you this morning that these eight things are really weapons in our lives that we can use to fight anxiety. And it is a fight of faith. And so take all the weapons that you can. <laughs> don't say, I don't need that one. Take all of them. Use them all. Learn to fight the fight of faith. And let's not be anxious about things, because that's how people who don't know God get. And surely we have a Father in heaven 
And that's my next point, point number six, verse 32, second half. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Why? This for me is the most delightful point. Jesus knows what you need. Yes? He knows what you need. Your Father in heaven knows what you need. The, the baseline is we don't need to be anxious about anything because we have Father in heaven. And our Father in heaven is not like an earthly father. Some earthly fathers are good. Perhaps you had a bad experience with your father. But our heavenly Father is perfect. And He knows what we need. And He knows what we need even before we ask. He knows what we need. And He's sovereign over all things. Nothing can stop Him from doing good for you or good towards you. He knows all that you need and He'll give you all that you need. So rest in this. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. For those of you that are still trusting for a house, can I tell you, Jesus knows you need the house. Those of you that need a better job, Jesus knows that you need a better job. He does. Trust Him. He will provide. The testimony of my life is that He's always provided for me. I own an amazing house in this nation. I never thought I would. I never owned a house before I came to this nation. My first house was the one I bought here. How's that possible? (laughs) I didn't have any capital, nothing. Jesus can do anything that He wants, if you will trust Him. Amen? And number seven. Put a little little number seven uh, around verse 33. God will supply everything that you need to do His will. That's the seventh promise to you. Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The argument is simply Jesus is saying, God will supply everything that you need to do His will. So trust Him. If, you are, if your heart is set off to the kingdom and you're living for His righteousness, God will supply all that you need to get the job done. Isn't that wonderful? You can just rest in that. You don't have to be anxious. No, God, you've promised. I trust you. That's it. Uh, you know, there are also other things that uh, Romans says. It says that there will be, we sang about it this morning. There'll be some famine, there'll be some hardship, there'll be some things that some of us will endure through our lives. But the great promise to us in Romans is that we are more than overcomers in these things because of the love of Christ. And nothing can separate us from His great love. Ah, it's wonderful. It's the gospel. Lastly, verse 34. Number eight in your Bible. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. For those of you that are going through difficult things right now, trusting for breakthrough at work or in your marriage or whatever, can I just point you to this verse? God's Jesus promised to you here is that every day He will not overload that day with trouble for you. Yeah, that's what He's saying. Every day, I will not overload it with trouble for you. I will give you grace for each day. And so don't bring... He's trying to say this, don't overload our days with trouble by thinking about tomorrow and saying, well, what's tomorrow going to bring? And you bring the trouble of tomorrow into today. No, he's just saying, today there's enough problems, so just find grace for today. And God will not overload you. That's his promise. 
And the, the point, Jesus doesn't say this, but it, it's an implication from what he says here. I love the Lamentations 3.22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, Jesus, for today. For today. For the troubles of today, you are faithful for today. So can I encourage you? And I know there's some people that are really still trusting God for breakthrough in their businesses. Sufficient is today with its trouble. Just trust God for today and He will be faithful. Amen? So there are those eight things which if we can learn to live in them, we will learn to live free from anxiety. And the implication is if we can live free from anxiety, we will learn to be generous as givers. And if we treasure Jesus and his kingdom, we will learn to live generously. Those are the promises that he gives to us. So I want to encourage you to receive them, believe them. I can't, I can't make you believe us. <laughs> I can't. I've done my best to preach what is true. But by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to take it and you're going to live by it. So when you wake up next time in the middle of the night and you're anxious, you've got two, two choices. You can lie there being anxious or you can take out your Bible and you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 and you can, you can say to yourself, I just want to remind myself of what Ant preached the other day and I'm going to take this right now. In the midst of my anxiety, I'm preaching this to myself. For this reason, Lord, I'm trusting you. And then you will fall asleep peacefully. That's God's Word. His Word is always producing fruit in our lives. And so I I conclude by saying this. We do live in anxious times. We do live in difficult times. We do live in turbulent times. That is true. But surely there should be one group of people on the face of the planet that are learning to live free from anxiety. Surely that should be God's people. Surely that should be you and me. That's how we are light. That's how we are salt. Isn't that true? When people are anxious all around us, we can be the ones who say, no, I'm not anxious, and this is why I'm not anxious. Because my Heavenly Father knows what I need. Amen? I want to pray. Can we pray this morning? And I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but if you know that there are areas in your life where you are anxious, just stand this morning. I'm standing already, so I'm standing for us. For myself, if you know that you need prayer, if you know that there are times that you are anxious about stuff, just stand. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you. And uh, I'm standing already, so here I am. Right? It's wonderful. I believe God responds by His Spirit when we are honest. Uh, When we just say, yeah, Jesus, I need you. And so there are lots of us standing I want to ask just to lay your hand on someone next to you. We're all priests. We're all ministers. Father, we thank you. We, we, all of us, Lord, we acknowledge our need of you right now. And Lord, we, we acknowledge that there are still moments in our lives where we give in to anxiety, where we take our eyes off you, And the things of this world begin to crush our hearts and make us anxious and our joy is robbed and we we get depressed and down when we think about the future. And Lord, we just say this morning, yeah, that's us, we we do that. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word, which is a marker in our lives. We thank you, Lord, we can always go back to your word and allow it to wash our hearts. And so, Lord, as I've preached this, this morning, I pray that it would wash our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would, for all of us, when we are impacted with those moments of anxiety, that you would remind us of this portion, Matthew 6, that we would go back to it regularly, that we remind ourselves every day why not to be anxious. And Jesus, that we would remind ourselves that these are your words to us and that we would take them as your words to us. And Lord, my prayer is that we would become extravagantly generous as a church simply because we are not anxious about our own lives, because we know that you are taking care of us in such a wonderful way as your sons and your daughters. And so, Lord, we just want to take a moment now to pray for each other and to pray your blessing on each other and that these things would take root in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray.